So why don't you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 2 is where we're going to be. <coughs> is where we're going to be this weekend. I've entitled this message, Finding Peace. And so that may be an interesting title to think about. I'm talking to a bunch of Christians over finding peace because you know what? There's some people that think that, that peace is just like a byproduct of Christianity. If you know Jesus, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer, then this, this, this issue of peace, internal peace, I'm not talking about external peace, I'm talking about internal peace, all of a sudden it's just, it's just a byproduct of that. And so sometimes it seems strange talking to believers about this issue of peace and finding peace. Um, what, what started this, this whole discussion in my head and now discussion with you is, 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 you may know the story of Richard Russell. Richard Russell was the airline employee that, that stole a plane and somehow got it off the ground into the air. And so he's having a conversation with the air traffic controllers, and that's been uh, produced in many different media, media outlets and and so Richard Russell is like this cool, calm, collected guy flying an airplane for the first time. And he's telling the air traffic controllers what he plans to do. He says, I'm, I'm going to do some, some maneuvers. I'm going to try a loop and then a, maybe a barrel roll. Then after that, I'm just going to nosedive this plane into the ground. I'm just going to end it. I'm just going to end my life. And so they're having this conversation. And then Richard Russell, in the midst of the conversation, makes this statement. And he says, hey, listen, I, I have a lot of people that love me. I have a lot of people that care about me, friends, relationships around me. They're going to be totally shocked when, they, when this report gets out. They're going to be totally shocked when they find out this is what I have done. And he said, but I've come to the place to realize that I'm a broken guy. And I have a few screws loose. And I've just realized that. And so this is what I'm going to do. And so he did exactly what he said he would do. He did a couple of maneuvers, and he nosedived this plane into the ground. And family spokesman for Richard Russell's family, in an interview, said exactly what Richard Russell had told air traffic controllers. They said, we were totally shocked Richard would do this. He's like this warm and caring and funny guy. He's full of joy, and we're like, we're like totally shocked. I mean, we live in a time, and some people refer to this time as like the age of anxiety, where a lot of people struggle with this issue of peace, this issue of peace in their lives. Each one of us this morning, if we had enough time, we could probably come up with a, with a list of the things that, that cause us to have anxiety, cause us to have stress in life. I've listed some. It can be relational, uh, uh, relations that are dysfunctional, problems in marriage, uh, a malignant tumor, cancer a bitter divorce, aging parents, health care, I-25. <laughs> people, while we're on that subject, people texting and driving, I-25. Uh, did I say I-25, I right? Politics, guilty conscience, rebellious teenagers, Car trouble, evening storms, fires in the mountains. I mean, and you could probably add to, to that list, right? If there's ever been a time, I think, that we need to understand as believers about this issue of finding peace, eternal peace, it's now. And here, here's the interesting thing. So you go to the scriptures and you say, well, what, is, what does the scripture say about this? And so there's a guy in the scriptures by the name of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was like a super Christian. 
Apostle Paul wrote more words in the New Testament than any other New Testament writers. Two-thirds of the words in the New Testament are attributed to him. He planted all these churches, did all these things. And all of a sudden, in Paul's life, a time that it was success, Paul makes this statement that's like shocking to us, right? Paul says, I have no peace of mind. Really? Someone like Paul? See, that's one of the reasons that I love the Apostle Paul. Uh, because he's authentic, he's real, he's transparent. As a Christian, he doesn't try to be anything that he's not. He doesn't try to be. He doesn't try to appear something different than he really is. The Apostle Paul is like comfortable with who he is in Christ. He's comfortable with who he is in his skin. And as a result of that, the Apostle Paul is transparent enough to say, "I have no peace of mind." And then in these scriptures, he goes through about how he regained peace. So I think he has a lot to say to us this morning about this subject of finding peace in your life. And so I have four things for you this morning that the Apostle Paul did to regain peace, in a peace that surpasses your circumstances and understanding in your life. The first one is this. If you're going to regain peace in your life, you have to identify what is causing anxiety in your life and then address it. In other words, if you're going to come to that place, you, you have to identify what is causing your stress, what is causing your anxiety, but it doesn't end there. Then you've got to be willing to address it. And so let, let's just track through the scriptures, and we're going to kind of jump around so that we understand the end of the story and come back. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, is Paul, and he says, when I, when I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ... The Lord opened a door of opportunity to me. So this is important because it's like when God opens a door for you, that's like success, right? So now we know that Paul is in this successful time of ministry. He's in a successful uh, part of his life. I mean, he is like firing on all eight cylinders. And then he goes, then he goes verse 13, but I have no peace of mind. I had no peace of mind. Because my dear brother Titus hadn't arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. So, so that kind of blows that, that Christian refrigerator magnet saying out of the water that if the Lord opens a door for you, just walk through it. We still have to discern. We still have to figure out if we have peace. And so Paul says, Paul says, I, I, I know I'm supposed to go to Troas and, and preach the gospel. God's opened up a door for me. But the problem is, you know, everything's going great in my ministry, but the problem is I have no peace of mind. And so, so here's the principle that many of us already know. You can be successful in a career. You can be successful in circumstances, and it's possible not to have peace. You can have, like, external peace, but not internal peace. Here's the crazy thing about life. Success does not guarantee peace in your life. It's what Paul's saying. Paul left this season. Paul left and went to Macedonia to talk to Titus because Titus hadn't come to meet him there. See, here's what was happening. Uh, Paul had had written a letter. That's what they did in their day. Uh, Paul had written a letter, and it's like slow going. It takes a long time to get there and a long time to come back. And so Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth, and he had some hard things to say to them. He corrected them in some areas, some things that needed to change in the area. In other words, it's kind of a harsh email of some things, or harsh letter, <laughs> email in our time. Um, and he sends this letter, and so he's waiting, he's waiting for a reply. 
He's wondering what their reaction will be. And, 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 and so, but Titus hasn't come back because Titus is supposed, he sent the letter with Titus. Titus is supposed to bring the letter back and Titus should have been back and he's not. And so he said he has no peace of mind because Titus isn't there. In other words, <coughs> in other words, his anxiety was tied to loneliness. It's possible, right? It's possible to be around a lot of people and still be lonely. It's possible to be in a room full of family, a room full of people, and still be lonely. It's possible to have success in life and a lot of people around you and still be lonely. See, this is what Paul's problem was. And so when, when Titus didn't arrive with, with the report, Paul was, was restless and he, like, he couldn't stand it. And so he says, well, I need to, I need to go to Macedonia. I, I need to find the answer to this. And, and so let, let me ask you, have you ever, you ever confronted someone over email and text or text? I, I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I, I know that that happens to where people use like, like text messaging sometimes to like tell someone the hard stuff, to confront someone, to... To, to correct someone, to like get it all out, whatever. And have you ever have you ever texted or and, and composed that text message, and and then finally you got the courage and you like hit send and like oh no, could I take it back? Can I take it back? And then all of a sudden you you develop that anxiety, like what is their response going to be? Are they gonna are they gonna end the relationship? Are they going to respond positive, negative to you? And then all of a sudden you have that anxiety. And so if you have an iPhone, I don't know how it works on, on a droid, but, but on an iPhone when you send a text and someone starts composing a text, you get what I call, it's just a technical term, I hope it's not over your head, you get the bubbles. <laughs> right? And you, you can see if someone's, have, have, you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever sent a text? And then it kind of scared you and you're, you're waiting for the bubbles. Man, are they... And you see the bubbles appear, and then you see them disappear. You see them appear, and you say, oh, no, they're struggling with what to say, right? You ever had that stress? See, this is Paul's stress. Paul sends this harsh letter, and there's no answer. And so now he's wondering as a result of that. As a result of that, Paul is wanting what a lot of us want from time to time, relief from our anxiety, relief from our stress. And so Paul, this is a healthy thing about Paul. Paul was open about his anxiety. Paul was open about his stress. Paul, in the letter, says, hey, I, I had no peace of mind. The reason he didn't have peace of mind and the reason he sent that letter is because he deeply cared for them. One of the reasons we send some of the text messages and some of the conversations we have because truly we, we care about that individual. We care about that re relationship or we, 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 uh, we want to try to communicate with them in, in that way. And so Paul was worried, since Titus had not come back with, with, with good news or any news, and so he's, he's stressed, he's distracted from what, what God has called him to do, because you know that, right? A lot of times when you have that unrest in your life, you don't have peace of mind, you can be distracted from your profession, you can be distracted from your career, you can be distracted from the things <coughs> that, you, that you need to do. And so Paul later writes, and so watch this. We're going to go all the way. Remember, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 all the way to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's kind of find out how this thing goes down. And so verse 6, he says, But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, aren't you glad, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how, how, how much you longed to see me, 
and how sorry you are for what had happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. In other words, it was a great report. In other words, it's like getting a text message back and that other person says, my bad, you're exactly right. I am so sorry for what I said. I am so sorry for what, I, what I've done. And all of a sudden, there's like this reconciliation that happens over, over, over text messaging. In other words, Paul's anxiety in his life was very temporary. Paul's anxiety was quickly resolved or quickly recovered or he recovered his peace of mind, not only because of his faith in God, but because of this. He was willing to address his anxiety or identify his anxiety and address it. See, it's not, just, it's not enough just to know where your stress is coming from. It's not enough just to know what is causing your anxiety. You have to address it again. Uh, verse 13, he says, but I, I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus hadn't arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye to you and went on to Macedonia. In other words, Paul would say, my anxiety came because I had not heard from Titus. The second thing, if you want to regain your peace in life, is you got to stop complaining and start praising God for what he, what he has done. Easier way to say that would be this, stop complaining and start being thankful. Stop complaining and start being grateful may be another way to say it. That's all worship is. Worship is just giving thanks to God, uh, some of worship. And Paul was, Paul was like that. And so, so I, want you, I want you to see how Paul changes. He changes his pace before he ever finds out the report, before he ever meets Titus, before he ever hears the report. All of a sudden, Paul admits that I have no peace of mind, and then all of a sudden, he quickly, <coughs> he quickly goes in to this issue of being grateful or thankful in his life. Verse 14, watch this, is what he says. Back to chapter 2 is what he says, but thank God. In my Bible, that's like highlighted, that's, that's like asterisk, because this is something in so, so I'm working on. But anyway, he says, but, but thank God. He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal uh, procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like, like, a, like, like a sweet perfume. In other words, that, that word be thankful uh, or that, that phrase, but thank God, Paul in the midst of his anxiety, in the midst of his, his, his stress, all of a sudden start, started, started being thankful. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Paul writes about this, this is what he says. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank, you, thank him for all he has done. A lot of us in our prayer life, we're much better at telling God what we need instead of thanking him for what he's done, right? I think we could all admit to that. I could. That a lot of times, especially when you have anxiety, especially when you have stress, a lot of times our prayer life, we're just telling God, whether it's when we're in the car, whether we're walking or whatever, and you're having that conversation with God, and you're telling God, this is what I need you to do in my life. And we never flip to the other side to where we're like telling God, God, I just want to be grateful for what you're doing in my life. I want to be thankful for the things that you've done. And so Paul is telling us that, and then he says, then if you do those two things, tell God what you need, thank him for what he's done. Then that verse 7, then, only then, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. When you and I, listen, when you and I complain about our problems, you increase your anxiety. And when you and I are thankful and grateful and we thank him for what he's done, you increase your peace. 
listen, if, if we're not careful because it's just it's our, it's our flesh, you know, I think it's our default, that if we're not careful, we'll be constant complainers about everything, right? I mean, nobody, when you look at this generation, nobody has really had it better than us, and yet we still find stuff to complain about. There's a lot of people that think, you know, it's a mark of sophistication to be able to criticize and be able to complain about everything. And the Bible says it's not a mark of sophistication. It's a mark of spiritual immaturity. A lot of times we think complaining is harmless, but in reality it, 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 it destroys our peace. And I, I just need to be clear this morning. Complaining is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Even though many of us think we have it, right? I'm just gifted in that area. That is not, listen, that is not a spiritual gift. Paul says in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. That's a command, and I think that may be one of the hardest imperatives, the hardest commands of Scripture to live out daily. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse, uh, perverse people. In other words, it's part of our testimony. In other words, it destroys our testimony when we're always complaining. I mean, I I've really believe the most important step in developing inner peace is coming to the place where we quit complaining and we start being grateful and thankful. Some people, and I, I, I know this, I've had conversations with people, and some people say, wait a minute, you don't understand. It helps me process out my emotion when I complain. And really, every psychological study says the opposite. It, it doesn't help you. It increases, listen, it not only increases your anxiety, but it cre- increases the anxiety of people that have to listen to you, right? Nobody wants to listen to it. Nobody really cares. And so if you're not careful, and listen, when you complain, it c- increases your anxiety. It's, 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 it's a reflection of your testimony. And it c- increases the anxiety of the people around you. But it, it's really deeper than that. The scripture says, and I know it's a little harsh, but the scripture says it displeases the Lord. A lot of times we think, ah, complaining is just who I am, just how God made me. Uh, it's, just, it's just what I do. But it, it's deeper than that. It, it displeases the Lord. Numbers chapter 11, 1 says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. When the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned against them and consumed some of the outlying parts of the, of the camp. And so, I mean, God's providing for the children of Israel in some remarkable ways. They didn't even recognize it. They, they, the fact is, they, they, they were complaining. And so, I mean, we, we can be like that, right? We don't like our job, so we, we complain about our job. We don't like our family, so we complain about our family. We don't like our school, so we, you know what? We complain about the school. It seems like we can always find something wrong. We can go to a restaurant, we can get good food and, and good service, but yet we can go home complaining. We complain about the food, we complain about the waiter, we complain about the waitress, we complain about the parking, we complain about the restaurant, we complain it was too hot, we complain it was too cold, we complain it was too loud. Uh, we, we, it just seems like we can always find something to complain about. If we're not careful, we become like professional complainers. If we got paid for it, we'd be like millionaires. I mean, it, it, it's just something a part of us. Listen, a complaining mind etches dissatisfaction and unrest in our lives, it destroys, listen, it destroys our peace. We can complain so much and be thankful or grateful so little, no wonder we don't have peace. No wonder we don't have joy in our life. 
and into where where we develop this inner peace, you have to quit complaining and start being thankful. Uh, Philippians chapter two verse fourteen says, "Do everything without complaining and arguing." I had a had a lady stinking hilarious. Had a lady last night after the uh, the six thirty service came up to me and said, Pastor Charlie, that was a great message, but I, got, I just got to tell you, if I, if I stop complaining, I'm going to be a mute. <laughs> we have got to come up with plan B. What is plan B, Pastor Charlie? I will have nothing to say. They'd been married 60-something years, and so the husband looked at her and says, I could take you as a mute for a while. So we went to marriage counseling right there in the lobby. <laughs> and he says, do, do everything. Do everything without complaining. And Many people know, and some of you have heard him preach. He was here in 2008 was the last time. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Dr. John Bazzano, uh had one of the first mega churches, a church of 20,000 people in the U.S. Uh, in the... Um, in the, in the 80s. And uh, he, probably nobody's really influenced my life quite like Brother John as he's affectionately known. It was in his church that I made three of the most important decisions of my life. I, I, I became a Christ follower in his church. I, uh, I met Karen in his church and got married to her in that church. And then I surrendered to full-time ministry in that church. And so Brother John and Aldine, his wife, came out couple of times and each time they spent a week with Karen and I and, and they just influenced us so much and brother John was this guy that I, he was always he was so attractional because he just had he just had joy I never heard brother John complain about anything I never heard I mean J- brother John was this guy of just intense joy intense love of people you just you were around brother John and you just felt like a million bucks you felt like you could do anything in the world I mean he loved people he had joy uh, I mean, he was, just, he was just one of a kind. I never will forget, and so many of his principles have stuck with me, but after being a pastor of a church of like 20, 25,000 members, he, he, was, he, he had some church hurts. Uh, people had betrayed him. People had talked about him. People hurt him deeply. And so I would ask him about that because he never was bitter, bitter or cynical. And he says, oh, I just live my life from, from this principle. One of the principles is this. If they can live with it, I can live without it. They can live with it. I can live without it. Charlie, I'm just so grateful for what God has done for me. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for, thankful for the relationships. You know what? If they can live with it, I can live without it. It is, it is, it is not worth it. It is not worth it to live like that. And so Brother John and Aldine, they were out here, and, and they just communicated so many things to, to Karen and I. You, you had two people that, that were, like, married. Uh, they were married. Uh, 63 years, and I, I failed to mention that, that, that Brother John uh, passed away a, a week ago. And so his funeral uh, was, was Friday. And um, I, because of airline schedules and everything, I, Karen and I couldn't get there and get back here to, to do these services. And with me taking a break, I didn't want to add to that. And so we, we live streamed it, and it just, it just brought back so many memories as we watched uh, his funeral. Aldine. His wife and John were married like like um, like 63 years. They met in college, and on their first date, he looked at her, and he said, "So, where do you want to spend your honeymoon?" <laughs> and so she said, "Wherever you are." 
11 months later, they were married. Here's the interesting thing. He died 11 months after her. They had this great, I mean, they had this great love for one another and for the Lord. Um, Hurricane Harvey, they were living in Houston at the time. Hurricane Harvey hit their house. And so they lost, they lost, their, uh, they lost their cars. They lost their home. They lost their, their family memories. When they were evacuated out by airboat, uh, Aldine was taken from their home by airboat to hospice, and she died 15 days later of a brain tumor. And Brother John lived 11 months without her, his wife of 63 years. And so Brother John simply say, say, Charlie, I've lost everything. I've lost my, I lost my cars. I've lost my home. In the flood, we lost all of our family memories and antiques, and we lost everything. I lost my, I lost my wife. So I've lost everything. He said, but I, I, I can tell you this. I'm still so grateful to God. And I tell you this, you can still have inner peace in the most difficult situations and circumstances of life. And he just would rattle off everything that he's thankful for and grateful for. And the scripture tells us a lot about this issue of just learning, just learning to be grateful. And, and if you're struggling in that area and maybe you don't even, even, don't even know when you do it, then simply ask someone around you, hey, if I start to complain or gripe, just, you know, just call me on it. I promise you they'll be happy to do that. Don't excuse yourself and just say this. Just my nature is just who I am. Constant complaining destroys your peace of mind. In other words, find something that you can be thankful for. Find something that you can be grateful for. If you can't sleep at night, then like get up and get up and read and be thankful that you can read. Or go into your kid's room and just be thankful they're asleep. <laughs> you know what? Or be thankful your spouse is asleep. I don't know what it is. You know that old joke, do you ever wake up grumpy? No, I just let him sleep. Uh, <laughs> be thankful. If you have to get up early in the morning, then just be thankful I got a job to go to. When you have a temptation to complain, just find something to be thankful. Man, I'm telling you, this principle, that we, we've lived this out. You guys know what we're walking through as a family these last two years. And that's when we developed some of these principles in our life so we didn't lose our peace to, at the end of every day to find three things that we're thankful for, find three things that we're grateful for. We're headed up to Brittany and Corey's house. We're going have, have, um, to spend the day with the grandkids, and if the parents are there, that's fine. We don't really care. <laughs> and before we eat a meal together, they go around the table. Everybody has to say, what was, the, what, was the, what was your favorite part of the day, and what are you grateful for? Changes everything about an evening meal. It also gives great insight into parents' life, into parent, into their children, or grandparents into their children, because you now know what your kids are, what was the favorite part of the day, and the things they're grateful for. In other words, you come to the place where you just, you, you just find something to be grateful for. Here's the third one. Understand that God has a purpose for your life. Understand God has a purpose for your life. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, Paul says, But thank God he has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal uh, procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a, like a sweet perfume. In other words, understand that, that your life counts. Your life has, has purpose. Your life has meaning. 
Paul uses, uses a, a term that they understood and we don't understand, but it was, um, it was, this, it was referring to a, a Roman victory parade that when they went off to war and they had victory, they would come back in and there's, there's this parade and there's this celebration that they won, they had victory. It's kind of like a ticker tape parade for us when, when, when our team wins a, a Super Bowl or the World Series and, and or a championship and all of a sudden the town shows up to celebrate that. And, and it's this picture of, it's this picture of that, that, that we have purpose, we have meaning. And so what he's trying to help us understand that the crucial task of Christians is, is that, you know what, we're a testimony of Christ for him. And we're constant complainers. We're always looking at the negative instead of the good. What he says, it destroys your testimony. That God has a purpose and a meaning for our life. And when we get that, when we understand that, it changes the way we look at life. It changes the way we look at our situations. It changes the way we look at people around us. The last thing is this, is to remember there is no, no peace if there's constant deception within you. Remember, there is no peace if there's constant deception within you. See, that's why it was so healthy of the Apostle Paul. I'm sure there are Christians of his day that, that attacked him when he says, I have no peace of mind. I'm sure there were some Christians that blogged about him, tweeted about him, posted about him, talked about him, because he, 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 he was just real. He was just real. But the, the, the most healthy thing you could do is be comfortable in your skin, comfortable with who you are, comfortable with who you are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you can be transparent. You can be authentic. You can stand up and say, hey, I, you know what? I have no peace of mind. And so there can be, listen, there can be no peace of mind if there's constant deception within you. If you're trying to be someone that you're really not, if you're trying to be a better person than you're really not, that if there's, listen, well, let's just read verse 17. <coughs> Paul says, you see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for, for, for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. In other words, I, I love that term, hucksters. Hucksters in, in their day, it was referring to people that sold wine, and the hucksters would add water. They would dilute the wine, and they'd sell it as pure, so they made more profit. And so all Paul's saying is, is we don't peddle the word of God for profit. We don't peddle the word of God for impure motives. We are, we are authentic. We are transparent. We, we, are, we, are, we are real because there, there can be no peace in your life if there's deception within you. If, if, you're, if you're always pretending to be something that you're really not, then you, you will live with a, with a guilty conscience. You will not have peace because you're always wondering when you're going to be found out and when you're going to be discovered. And so here's an interesting thing. Uh, yesterday I did just a really quick word study on the word peace. The word peace in the Bible appears about 200 times. Most often it's linked to the word righteousness. It, usually righteousness comes first. Righteousness just is a, is a, is a, is a Christian word that kind of means right living, an authentic life. In other words, what Paul would say, there has to be righteousness, there has to be right living for there can be peace of mind. You've got to be who you are. You've got to be real. You've got to be transparent. Paul would say that for you to live life in this world with, with peace, you have to have confidence of where you're going to spend eternity. you got to know that you know. That was Brother John. Brother John, the, the day before he passed away, he woke up and says, I feel fantastic. And he says, I'm ready to, uh, I am ready to face the world. 
And then he would tell his family, he says, I know it's serious, but you know what? No matter what happens, I win. Either I get to stay with you or I get to go to heaven and be with Aldi. And he said he just had this, he had this confidence and he, he faced life all the way to the end with this, this great joy. I don't know if you're a sports fan. Uh, if you are, then you'll, you'll totally track with this and understand this. But I, I don't know if you've ever, because of your schedule, you weren't able to see a, a ball game, of, a football game that you really wanted to see. I, I'd like to use the Dallas Cowboys in this illustration, but we, we, we lose way too often to do this. So we'll use the Broncos, okay? But you ever had that Bronco game that, you know what, you, you, you couldn't watch, but you wanted to watch? It was a playoff game. They're, they're playing the Raiders or the Chiefs. It was a big game, and so you didn't want to miss it. So you T-vote it, right? And so if you're like me, you kind of announce to all your buddies and your family, hey, whatever you do, do not tell me the score of the game. They always tell you the score, right? They th some think it's funny, especially non-football fans. They think that's hilarious. And so, or you jump on Twitter or the Internet or whatever, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I, I, I found out the score of the game. But if you're a true sports fan, you still watch the game, right? You still watch the game. And, and here's the interesting thing is you, when, you know, when you know how the game turns out, when you know that the Broncos win, when you know that they pull it out in the end, you watch the game totally different than you would if you didn't know how it ended, right? I mean, when that, when, that, when that fumble happens, when that interception happens, when they fall behind in the game, there's not the same anxiety and stress. Why? Because you know that in the end, we win. In the end, we, we, we pull the game out. And so you watch that game differently than if you didn't know how it turned out. And Paul would say, the reason that we can have peace is because we know how it turns out and we win. We win. And all we're doing, see, when you, when you watch that ball game, you're not watching to see if we win or lose. You're watching to see how we win. We live this life not to see if we win or lose. We live this life to see how we win. And there's plot twists and there's difficult seasons through it. But in the end, we know we win. That's how we live life with confidence. That's how we live life with peace. That's the reason that we can always find something that we're grateful for something that we can be thankful for so we have peace. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?